0: From Swarthmore College. From Swarthmore College, this is... This is... This is...
1: This is is War News Radio. Mm
2: Hi, I'm Gabrielle Hennig. Thanks for listening to War News Radio. I'm joined by my co-hosts, J.D. Sanga and Nick Herschel-Burns.
3: I'm J.D. Sanga. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Uyghurs, a Turkic ethnic group indigenous to Central Asia. The majority of Uyghurs practice Sunni Islam and are predominantly located in Chinese-controlled Xinjiang region of Western China.
1: I'm Nick Herschel-Burns. Reports from the region indicate a widespread crackdown on Uyghurs with details of internment camps potentially housing millions, forced conversions, and political repression of ethnic Uyghurs. The Chinese government tightly controls any access to Xinjiang province by Western media outlets, and the closest we can get to the story is by hearing the first- and second-hand accounts of Uyghurs who have left China. So today we are doing just that. We are joined by Nuri Turkel, a Uyghur-American attorney and the former executive director for the Uyghur Human Rights Project the largest and most influential Uyghur advocacy group in the United States. Uyghur Human Rights Project was established in 2003 under the
0: auspices of the Uyghur American Association. Uh, I am one of the co-founders and uh, in the last 15 years we have produced over 40 uh, programmatic reports uh, addressing environmental degradation, uh, China's counterterrorism laws, Uh, the banning Uyghur language, uh, restriction of Uyghur Islam, and most recently, uh, we published on the uh, modern day concentration camp construction and expansion has been carried out in the last three years.
1: There are about 10 million Uyghur people living in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region in northwestern China. It is home to many ethnic minorities, but Uyghurs make up about half of Xinjiang's total population. In 1949, Mao Zedong declared the founding of the People's Republic of China, incorporating the Second East Turkestan Republic and renaming it Xinjiang Province. Uyghur separatist and independence movements maintain that the region is not part of China and has been occupied since its incorporation in 1949. However, the Uyghur separatist movement is fractured between those with a pan-Islamic vision, those with a pan-Turkic vision, and those that want an independent uyghur stand. Sporadic resistance movements against Chinese control of the region have served as pretense for the Chinese government's oppression of the Uyghur people.
3: Most Americans know little about the Uyghur people, and even those that do, can struggle to fully comprehend the many complexities of their identities. They are a Turkic group, meaning they are more ethnically similar to Turkish, Azerbaijani, Kazakh, or Uzbek people than the Han Chinese people, who make up over 90% of modern-day China. Uyghurs also speak a distinct language, which was once known as East Turkic, but is now just referred to as Uyghur. Although the ancient Uyghurs originally practiced shamanism and tengrism, Uyghurs went through a series of different religions until finally converting to Islam in the 9th century. Today, Uyghurs are primarily Sunni Muslim, making them the second largest predominantly Muslim group in China after the Wee.
2: Nuri is resolute that most Uyghur people, including himself, do not consider themselves Chinese, despite the fact that the Uyghur's historic homeland was incorporated into Chinese territory in 1949. He feels that most Uyghurs identify themselves more closely with their Central Asian heritage. Nuri shared his experience regarding his own identity. I never considered myself as Chinese, uh, uh,
0: no, I never considered myself as, as a Chinese citizen, let alone uh, as a Chinese in a uh, cultural term. Uh, Uyghurs are a very distinct nation. Uh, Their physical appearances, culture, language, history, religion has literally nothing in common with the Han Chinese people on the other side of the border. Our culture, our language, uh, our religion is much closer or similar to the uh, uh, people uh, in the Eurasia continent. uh, That includes uh, Uzbeks, uh, includes Azeris, includes uh, Turkmenistanis, uh, that includes uh, the people of uh, Turkey. So um, culturally, linguistically, uh, ethnographically, um, the Uyghurs have uh, nothing in common with the Chinese.
3: That's a really interesting idea. Uyghurs, especially in Western media, are usually referred to as Chinese, but Nuri takes issue with that characterization. Nuri also feels the Chinese state has tried to delegitimize Uyghur identity and sees diversity as a threat to its sovereignty.
0: I have never been, I never felt that I have any affinity uh, to either to the Chinese state or the Chinese culture because in um, in a, uh, a civilized societies, a diverse societies, uh, people uh, generally cherish uh, a diverse culture, uh, appreciate each other's culture, try to learn each other's culture. Whereas in China, uh, the Uyghur culture has been seen something by the uh, Chinese authorities as a potential political threat or a sign of disloyalty to the Chinese Communist Party and the state.
2: Another point Nuri brought up was the naming of Xinjiang province itself. He referred to the region by its historic name, East Turkestan.
0: So the Uyghurs using that name uh, has a historic significance. And the other name that the Xinjiang that the Chinese officials use and some of the media organizations uh, use uh, with the intent to avoid being labeled as a separatist is a a, uh, a misconstrued uh, way of seeing the name. Xinjiang is a um, um, a name with colonial context. Xin means new, Jiang means area or territory. The naming of itself uh, uh, shows that this is an occupied territory. Xinjiang means new territory, new dominion. Uh, the Chinese renamed the, uh, the Uyghur's homeland from East Turkestan to Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region after they um, uh, occupied, uh, invaded the Uyghur's homeland with Stalin's Soviet Union back in uh, 1949.
2: Regardless of national identity, the reality on the ground for Uyghurs in Xinjiang province, or East Turkestan as it is generally referred to by the Uyghurs, is dire. According to both Nuri and international reports, Uyghurs live in Orwellian conditions, which have worsened in recent years.
3: And going off of that, the Chinese government has repressed its Uyghur population for decades. Some examples of this repression include the de-extremification policy, which includes the banning of some Muslim names for babies, the prohibition of teaching Muslim texts to children, and regulations on long beards and veils.
2: Then, in 2014, the situation escalated when the Chinese government began building camps for Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The Chinese government describes them as vocational education training centers aimed at stemming the threat of Islamic extremism. However, almost every human rights organization has characterized the camps as concentration camps. Currently, about 1 million Uyghurs have been forced into these re-education camps. It is widely believed that the Chinese government has been expanding these camps in recent years to hold up to 3 million Uyghurs.
0: Last August, the UN uh, Committee on Elimination of Racial Discrimination stated that uh, up to a million people have been locked up uh, in a no-rights zone. And uh, the total number of people have been affected by this is around 3 million, citing a report by uh, an organization called China Human Rights Defenders.
3: Nuri told us about a Uyghur concentration camp survivor who has been speaking out in the U.S.
0: We were able to hear firsthand uh, accounts uh, or read about those accounts uh, through the interviews conducted by the Human Rights Watch initially and then a uh, few other actual survivors of the camp. One of the survivors managed to come to the United States, and her name is Mehri Tursun. She lives in Northern Virginia. She came here last September, testified in the U.S. Congress, and have been speaking uh, around the country, uh, telling her horrific uh, experience in the camps, including uh, the death of one of her uh, triplets. Mm. Uh, based on her... Um, uh, accounts that the Chinese government has been engaging in uh, a, what's called conversion therapy in those camps forcing Uyghurs to give up their centuries old ethno-national tradition and religion denouncing uh, religion, religion and listening to the um, uh, humiliating um, degrading comments uh, indoctrination of the Uyghur Islam, uh, reciting pro-Communist Party, pro-Xi Jinping uh, slogans such as, long life to Xi Jinping, uh, long life to Communist Party.
3: In addition to the concentration camps, journalists and human rights activists in Xinjiang province have documented a vast surveillance network as well as mass DNA collection. The government has used facial recognition technology, police checkpoints, and the confiscation of phones and passports to intimidate and surveil the Uyghur minority.
0: I think it has a genocidal uh, intent. So imagine that you forced to go to mosque uh, with uh, body scan, uh, going through body scan, iris scan, biometric uh, uh, data collection, and also forced to pray facing Xi Jinping's picture mounted on the front wall. And imagine that uh, your children um, uh, spying on you uh, at the request of the Chinese government.
2: Defining what the Chinese government is doing to the Uyghur people is a problem in itself, raising the question, is it a genocide? Although Nuri used the term genocidal intent, he stopped short of describing the situation as a genocide.
0: Uh, That is for the legal scholars, that is for the historians, that's for the reporters, uh, that is for the U.S. Special Rapporteur to find out. Uh, The area is is concealed. There's no access, there's no free access. Uh, A a simple Google research will show you how difficult it has been even for those courageous reporters to go on the ground, uh, to the ground and report, uh, take pictures and images of those camps. But um, what we're dealing is not a Jeffersonian democracy, at least a responsible government. This is a government scared of their own people. This is a government scared of a foreign religion, a foreign religion such as Christianity and Islam.
2: It's interesting that Nuri mentions Islam because despite widespread condemnation from human rights groups and predominantly Western countries, there is surprisingly little outcry coming from Muslim-majority states. Of all Muslim-majority nations, only Turkey has publicly condemned the mass incarceration and human rights abuses against China's ethnic Uyghur community. Nuri attributes the absence of criticism by Muslim-majority nations to the economic leverage China possesses through its ambitious international development program, spearheaded by the Belt and Road Initiative.
0: No strong condemnation even uh, being expressed uh, by other countries except for the United States. Uh, we have a Muslim countries like the Saudi Arabia uh, palling around countries like Pakistan, denying even the existence of those camps, as, as, as pointed out, as denied by Imran Khan twice in a 3 months uh, period. Um, so the Chinese made a calculus that they're going to test this out, and it's working for them, they're going to continue, because no one is raising a finger.
3: The crackdown on China's ethnic Uyghur community is a rare issue that draws overwhelming bipartisan support in Congress. Both Democrats and Republicans have been pushing the White House to take action against China's treatment of its ethnic Uyghur community. Nuri remains incredibly optimistic about Congress's motivation to pressure China, but cautions there are significant challenges ahead.
0: The crisis cries out uh, for global condemnation, uh, societal support and governmental actions. So um, we're very grateful for the United States government, uh, particularly the Congress, have been so vocal um, and and practical um, uh, uh, coming out for the defense of the Uyghur people, including to introduce um, uh, legislations that are pending bills in the U.S. Congress currently being considered.
2: The White House instead sees promise with an emerging U.S.-China trade deal, which is poised to be, according to President Donald Trump, the biggest deal ever made. As final negotiations are concluding, the issue of human rights has been discernibly left out of the conversation with Beijing. The administration seems keen to avoid raising the sensitive subject of human rights abuses that may serve as a significant impediment to trade negotiations.
3: Nuri had some poignant words addressing the silence of most Muslim-majority countries and reminding us of the consequences of indifference when an entire group of people is targeted by the state.
0: At the end of the day, um, we will uh, remember uh, our Muslim brothers and sisters' silence, but we may not remember our oppressors' words. Uh, the Uyghurs have a, a tradition of saying something similar in the daily expression that they only uh, disappointed in someone who are closer to them. So this silence, uh, uh, the ongoing silence, uh, particularly among the Muslim people uh, and the Western countries that were, uh, were subject for Nazi Germany's occupation and destruction need to come out. Uh, need to come out and their silence is untenable. The, uh, the Muslim societies uh, the people in a liberal societies uh, need to come out uh, in solidarity of the Uyghur people.
2: I'm Gabrielle Hennig.
1: I'm Jaydeep Sango. And I'm Nick Herschel-Burns. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you again to Nuri Turkel, co-founder of the Uyghur Human Rights Project, for speaking to us. If you want to hear more pieces from us, find us on Facebook or visit our website at warnewsradio.org. Thank you for listening.